Hey, welcome to The Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. So, we've uh, been going through a series the last couple of weeks on who is the centre. And Mitch has been doing an amazing job at asking some really interesting questions about that. Like, what is a church? And then the following week, he asked us, what is a Baptist church? And then what is a Baptist church that's also a sports centre? And then what's a Baptist church that's also a sports centre that's coming out of COVID? And then what's a Baptist church that's also a sports centre that's coming out of COVID and wants to be the centre of a community? I mean, it's an overwhelming amount of like concentric circles. It's a massive Venn diagram of confusion. And just because it wasn't intense enough, I want to add another circle to that crazy Venn diagram this morning, which is what is a Baptist church that is also a sports center that's coming out of COVID, that it wants to be the center of a community that also has social justice. We've got two arms of our church that I immediately think of when I think of social justice, which is men's shed and care and concern. Now, they are sort of just two examples of many ways in which our church brings social justice into our community. But before I kind of talk too much today about social justice, I think it really begs the question to ask, what is social justice? Because I think that that can be maybe a little bit of a bastardized term for some of us. We think social justice warrior, like that's the worst thing that one could possibly be in the world. What is social justice to you? What do you think of when I say social justice? What do we think? What kind of came to mind? Anyone want to yell out any ideas, suggestions of what social justice looks like? Thinking of others? To uphold authorities to account. I like that. That's really cool. Any other thoughts? Writing wrongs. wrongs. Yeah, nice. I really like that. Awesome. I think that this is the idea that, that social justice isn't just, you know, some dreadlocked hippie with a beanie, like, protesting in front of some parliament house. Social justice is so much more holistic than that, right? And I think for me, when I start thinking about social justice, the kind of classic Bible verse that I think of is in Amos, Amos 5, 23, or 24, I should say. And it's, let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. Some of you guys might be thinking, that's like a, that's a familiar verse. Well, it's actually over the doorway of the upstairs auditorium, that verse, let justice roll like a river. Righteousness like a never-failing stream. And there's these two two elements in it because I think righteousness and justice as two ideas can sort of blur into one another. But justice is the action part, right? That's the practical action, actually going out, being the hands and feet of Jesus. But righteousness has this element of relationship to it as well. It's this idea that it's not just this one-off of giving someone a loaf of bread and then running away as quickly as possible saying Jesus loves you. It's this idea of investing and building long-term relationships. This is what righteousness righteousness looks like. And in that, we then need to have a relationship with God ourselves. So this, this, this verse is actually a really fascinating verse because it's actually, I would maybe argue, a bit of a misrepresentation of the book of Amos because Amos was this prophet about 800 years before Jesus. He was a shepherd and a fig farmer and he lived in, in the province of Judah and he was writing this huge critique to the, t- the city of Israel. 
Because in Israel at that time, the rich were ignoring the poor. And the privilege were completely oppressing the weak. And ultimately, Amos says that this is all coming out of a place of ignoring the word of God. That's why this is happening. This is why this injustice is happening in Israel and in the wider district of the Middle East in this time. This great injustice is coming at a core because they have ignored the word of God and instead are bowing down to idols of sex, idols of money, idols of war and violence. These are the things that they are now bowing down to. And in that, justice has dried up. Righteousness is nowhere to be found. And this is what Amos is saying to these people. This is this, this river of righteousness and justice is, is something which he's calling for a need in a dry desert place, not only in the arid climate, but also in the social dryness. That There's no justice and there's no righteousness. But I think we can forget a really important thing when we're looking at this passage, because I think we can focus a little bit too much on the river itself and stop thinking about where it's coming from. Where's the river coming from? Because rivers don't just come from anywhere, right? They, they have a source. So this is a really interesting question. If we're going to be so focused as a community of, of bringing a river of righteous and justice, where is it coming from? Well, the prophet Ezekiel has this vision which also has a river in it. His, his sort of entire book sort of finishes, the, the pinnacle of his prophetic book finishes with a river. And it's not just any river. This is a cosmic, supernatural river. You know, like, have you ever been over to a mate's place for, for dinner and before you sit down to, like, eat a little bit of brie, they go, before you do that, let me quickly show you the laundry. And let me show you also our, our ensuite. Let me show you where we put our Christmas tree the other 11 months of the year, because that's really what I'm interested in. I want to see a grand tour of your entire house. Well, Ezekiel is kind of having a similar experience, but it is so much more grand and cosmic and amazing and wonderful than checking out where someone's Christmas tree is 11 months of the year. He is getting a tour of this future temple, a picture of a new temple, which is not just available for Jerusalem, but available for all people. And he meets this, this, this bronze figure. It says in, in his book that it almost appeared this guy was made of bronze. And he's literally giving him throughout these last chapters of Ezekiel, this tour, this grand tour of this cosmic temple, something that is so far beyond the temple that is currently in Jerusalem. It's a new temple. And from that temple is flowing a river. Ezekiel 47.1, I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. So this is where the river's coming from. The river came from the temple. Because we've got to make sure that we're, we're not focusing so much on the river, focusing so much on the axe, focusing so much on bringing justice in the community that we're forgetting about where it's supposed to be leading people back to, right? The place where God dwells. That's what true holistic justice and righteousness looks like. And that's why I really hold up the, the, the men's shed and care and concern as two like, great beacons that do that, that not only bring justice and righteousness, but point people ultimately to the presence of God, to Jesus. 
We've got to be making sure that we don't get so focused on the river that we forget about where it's coming from. Because ultimately, that's why we're doing this, right? That's why we're bringing the justice and the righteousness into our society to lead people back to something beyond ourselves, the presence of God. But there's so much more to be gleaned from this passage in Ezekiel 47. It shows us so much about what true social justice and and righteousness should look like when it's in a holistic, God-centered way. Ezekiel 47, 2 to 5. So then this bronze figure brings Ezekiel out through the north gate of the temple and leads him around the outside of the outer gate facing east. And the water was trickling from the south side. Not like gushing like a giant waterfall, just trickling, just a tiny trickle from the south side. And as the man went eastward with a measuring line, which is kind of just an old school ruler, he starts walking out and measuring a thousand cubits, which is roughly about 500 meters. And he goes out with this measuring line, 500 meters, and the trickle of water that's coming from the temple is suddenly ankle deep. And then he keeps on going and suddenly another 500 metres, it's knee deep. And another 500 metres, it's waist deep. And then he measured off another 1,000 cubits. And now it was a river that Ezekiel could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. See, the river doesn't deplete. The river doesn't run out. The river grows, which straight away makes no sense at all because all rivers get smaller as they move further away from their source. But this river, this river that comes from the presence of God grows. How is this possible? How is it not being depleted? How is it not running out as it flows into this arid wasteland that is so bereft of justice and righteousness? How is it growing? How is that possible? There's something going on here that's far beyond a natural order of how water should work in a desert, right? Well, it's because we're actually part of that river. We become part of that river as we drink from that water of life from God with his Holy Spirit as our source. We become part of that river and as we go out, it grows. In the Gospel of John, Jesus comes across a Samaritan woman at a well. And this woman was thirsty. She was thirsty for water. But she also thirsted for something greater. She was an outcast in the community. She was a Samaritan, which meant she hadn't been welcomed into the temple to worship. She was a reject as far as the Israelites were concerned. She wasn't worthy to come in and be in the presence of God. And Jesus sets up this whole new paradigm for her. He says that you're welcome in. But not only you're welcome in, you're going to become part of it. He says in John 4, 13 to 14, everyone who drinks this water, talking about the water from the well of Jacob, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give them, Jesus, will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. This is how this river is going to continue to grow, not through our own strength, but as we are filled with the Spirit, it flows out and grows and becomes something which is so much greater than any one of us with our human capacity could achieve. The river grows because it comes from a source of God and continues to be replenished as we continue to be refilled. 
That's what we're trying to achieve here through social justice, through righteousness. And then in Ezekiel 47, 6 to 9, the, this bronze sort of heavenly figure asks Ezekiel, son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. And when I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. And he said to me, this water flows through the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah where it enters the Dead Sea. And when it empties into the sea, the salty water becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There'll be a large number of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. You see, the river comes from a source of God. It grows, but then ultimately it transforms. When it goes into places that lack life, that have no hope, that are unable to help things to flourish. It transforms the Dead Sea into an oasis of life, a place that was known for a lack of any hope or life suddenly becomes an oasis where people gather because ultimately it bears fruit, this river. I think that's really, really important when we're looking at this, that because it's not pointing to us when we're going out and doing social justice, when we're sharing the righteousness of Jesus with the community, it bears fruit and it bears great fruit and fruit that's attractive and that people want more of. It bears fruit. The river bears fruit. And it made me think of Psalm 1, right at the beginning of the Psalter. We're kind of struck with this similar image of a tree down by a river. The Psalter writes, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on this law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. I'm not going to lie. I have times in my life when, when I just feel depleted, when I feel like I'm done, like I got no more to give. I'm, I'm running on empty, right? I'm, I'm running on fumes here. I think this is a really helpful reminder that a tree that bears fruit in this psalm is one that has its roots deeply grounded in the river of life. It's about allowing ourselves to actually be filled up again with the Spirit before we go out, because otherwise we're not going to really bear great fruit. We're going to be really poor examples of what it really looks like to be Christians. We're going to be poor examples of what it looks like to bring holistic righteousness and justice into our world. We are going to bear bad fruit if we are not rooted into the river of life. My final point I just want to wrap up on is actually not a typo. It's not the same as the first point. It kind of is, but it's a complete different emphasis. See, in the first point, it was the river came from the temple, right? My fifth point is the river came from the temple, past tense. It actually no longer comes from the temple. You know, well, hold on, Muzz, you've just spoken to us for like 20 minutes about how the river comes from the temple and now you're telling me it doesn't? Like, come on. Well, it's got a point to it. Because, see, what happened was the Israelites worshipped in the temple. 
And they were conditioned to believe that that was the only place that God could dwell. They started to idolize the temple. The building that they worshipped in started to define who they were, started to define who their God was, started to define where their God could be and act. They were limited in their own minds by the temple. When Ezekiel was writing this in the Old Testament, people reading it understood that the temple represented the place where God dwells. But we've got to make sure that as we're living in a new covenant life with Jesus, who tells us that we're all now temples filled with the Spirit, that we're not getting too hung up on four curtains that we meet in on a Sunday. Because the river came from the temple, but it no longer comes from the temple. Because as I was reading that, those, those last kind of passages in Ezekiel 47, I don't know about you, but some images start to stir up of, of, of another book in the Bible, right? In the New Testament, right at the end of Revelation. But there's a really similar image, but there's one difference. Because in Revelation 21, 22, John writes, I did not see a temple in the city. This is, this is a crazy thought that there was no temple in the city because this is supposed to be like the city of God. How can you have a city of God with no temple? How can you have a river of life that's bringing justice and righteousness without having a temple? We need our temple. What are we going to do without a temple? He says, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. See, it wasn't about the building. It was about pointing people to the throne of Jesus. That's what justice and righteousness is. It's pointing people to the throne of Jesus. Revelation 22, 1-2, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river, stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. This is what holistic social justice looks like. It comes from the throne of God. It leads people back to Jesus. It grows as we become a part of it ourselves. As we drink the water of life, it swells up in us and comes out as springs of eternal life. We become part of that river. It bears fruit and it transforms. It brings transformation into our lives, into our families, into our workplaces, into our communities. This is what justice and righteousness looks like. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you for justice. I thank you for righteousness. I thank you that it is a core part of your story. God, I thank you that a river of life flows from the throne of Jesus. Lord, when we're feeling weary, when we're feeling tired, when we're feeling depleted and feel like we can't go on and do it in our own strength, wouldn't you just remind us that it's not about us. <laughs> that it's about being refilled with your Holy Spirit. It's about having our roots deeply grounded in the water of life that comes from meditating on your word, that comes from being filled with your spirit daily. 
Lord, I pray that each of us would be little streams of justice and righteousness that flow out of this place, that bring healing, that bring restoration, that bring transformation to our community, but ultimately that lead people back to your throne. Jesus, I just want to thank you so much for the men shed. I pray that you'd continue to be using the servants who give of themselves to that ministry and that you would continue to see your name lifted high. God, I thank you for care and concern. I thank you that care and concern isn't just a few people who are involved with it. We are care and concern, each and every one of us. As we see a need in the community, Lord, wouldn't you open the eyes of our heart to tap them into care and concern and lead them back to a throne of justice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.